You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. five and ten sorry for a little scratchiness getting to be that time of the year about to get a nice little arctic blast up here up north gonna get a little chilly benny what up yeah i did not sign up for it to be this cold this quickly after my return and uh it's a nice welcome back reminder of how brutally cold it's going to be over the next few months oh it's like fucked up because it's only for tomorrow not thursday and then friday is going to be cold again and then next week goes to 50 so welcome to well new york new england the northeast in the winter who knows as to what the hell to expect from day to day i'm not ready for this shit i gotta be honest that like after the holidays i'm january february (laughs) like i'm okay with like now it's a little early i'm not gonna lie yeah as long as you're not getting snow up there before thanksgiving you're you're happy Oh, fuck. I, I can't do the snow. It drives me <laughs> crazy. Um, Starting off this week, we do have some crazy news. I'm actually surprised it hasn't happened sooner, but mm. Don Cherry officially fired from the Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday Night Games. Uh, For the clip that he had this week, I'm going to drop that for you guys right now. For this. You people love, you, you, they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, at least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. That was his comment. Um, I, I gotta be honest, I am surprised this hasn't happened sooner. Cherry has always been on that line of just saying things, whether they're right, they're not. He has seemed to be losing it completely lately. I mean, going into just the whole Veterans Day thing, obviously Veterans Day is very important here. It's very important north of the border. I think it's very important worldwide because I tell you what, I don't have the balls to serve. So for everybody that does, thank you very much for your service. But for Don Sherry to take it to that point, like there's been so many things he's pushed the envelope on and he should be thankful he had a job for those. And then to go with the you people, like, yep. what a fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, he's 85 years old, so it's like a combination of his different upbringing and different times, how it shaped his worldview combined with old age kind of seeping in and maybe not having a filter that he might have once had if he had any to begin with. But he re- he released a statement today saying that he was he never mentioned minorities he never mentioned immigrants in his rant he just meant people in Canada not buying poppies uh, to honor uh, fallen Canadian soldiers uh, I don't know what else he could have meant by you people come here who else comes here besides immigrants so like you said this is 
I was still a little surprised that they went ahead and did it, especially midseason, because he survived so much before with ridiculously offensive comments, whether it's about French Canadians or other comments about immigration, or even just, this is a guy that made a lot of money in the 80s and 90s off of those Rock'em Sock'em videos, and then he had the balls to call out enforcers like Chris Neeland, who was soon NHL for head trauma as, uh, as weak uh, for doing so and like hurting the sport. Uh, so I'm surprised it took this long to happen. I was never really a fan of Don Cherry's. Uh, obviously, growing up in the U.S., we never had the consistent exposure to the coach's corner. But, yeah, there was no way, especially in this day and age, that he was going to say that and get away with it. I just – I don't get how he gets to that point, though. Like, not even just a normalcy of – thank you for veterans, like, wear your poppies. He goes to the you people, and it's like, I I know he's old. I know it's two different generations, but, like, what are you thinking? Like, you know how much money he makes to make a pre-recorded segment on the coach's corner? Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, I'll say whatever you want. Away with so much before, you know? Yeah, I And that's true, too, but, like, shit – that you pay me whatever you're paying him, I'll say whatever the hell you want on a pre-recorded segment. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I mean, I know the outfits have been getting worse and worse every year, but it's just, I think it's just time to turn that page. So, unfortunately, it had to happen with an incident like that. But a hockey night in Canada going forward without Don Cherry. I mean, two things about that is, uh, the first one, if... Like you said, if you wanted to thank the veterans, that's one thing. If you want, he's just—he's been an old curmudgeon for two decades now, where he doesn't really—it's called Coach's Corner, but it might have—it's kind of similar to uh, Peter Griffin's. You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> he just constantly bitches every Saturday night about something ridiculous um, and gets paid to do so. And he said, like I said, he said so much stuff in the past that he's gotten away with. Even when Sportsnet and TSN was laying off a lot of employees, he was able to make the cut because of his status as a national icon for the sport of hockey. Um, so, like I said, I'm surprised it took this long. The other thing is, I wonder if they're going to try and get somebody to replace him because Coach's Corner is like a staple for a hockey night in Canada. And I'm kind of curious if it has to be a Canadian. I saw Brian Burke was mentioned as a possible replacement, even though he's quote unquote American. He was a GM for the Canucks, the Flames. Uh, he's has extensive experience in, with Toronto, so he might be a good fit. But yeah, he should have been put out the pasture long ago. I mean, if they do give that job to Berkey, what's the over under of him not <laughs> wearing his tie, just having it wrapped around his neck, <laughs> looking like he just ran a quarter mile to get to the draft table? Yeah, like. Don't get me wrong. I think Brian Burke would do a great job in that segment because I do think he is cut from the same cloth as Don Cherry. I don't think he would be as reckless as Don Cherry. No, but no, I no. think when it came to the actual hockey part and insight, I think Berkey is very smart and very in depth, and he would give great, like, great insight. So we will see who ends up replacing him there. Yeah. Does Berkey have to wear a poppy? Yeah, so uh, I think <laughs> I think that'd be funny if he just wore a poppy every day of the year. It's like a subtle little like <laughs> yes. F you to I'll, cherry. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. I'll wear this poppy, no questions asked. 
Um, I guess staying north of the border, we'll do a couple of quick hits around, some news around the league. First off is the Mitch Marner injury, kind of a fluke injury uh, off a of face-off at Center Rice. I forget whose stick got caught uh, in Marner's skate blade and kind of twisted his ankle the wrong way, fell down. He was diagnosed with a high ankle sprain, which he's lucky because when I first saw that replay uh, on Twitter after it happened, I thought he might have at least torn a meniscus, could have torn ligaments in his ankle or his knee. So I think he kind of lucked out with that. He's had a minimum of four weeks, so no guarantee he'll be back in a month. What are your thoughts on injury? And you know, the Maple Leafs have kind of struggled to start the year, haven't really found their footing, and they've kind of had to deal with the Tavares situation, uh, now the Marner situation, Matthews here and there. So uh, how do you think this impacts them in your division moving forward? I hate these injuries because when you hear of these soft tissue injuries Mm -hmm. there's never a set timeline and that's what i hate where it's like you're almost better off breaking your leg because they'll be like you'll be back on the ice in four to six weeks four to eight weeks and it seems like everything heals up the way it should and you're on your way with these things like we've seen them linger throughout the year i mean how many times can patrice bergeron pull his groin like you know what i'm saying like it just doesn't seem like once you get one of these injuries, it just seems like it'll always be something. You know, he'll go out for a skate, and he'll be good. The next day he'll go, his knee will blow up. Yep. And I'm not saying blow up like tearing ACL. I'm just saying, like, stiffness and sw- swelling. That's all. I don't want people yeah, to take takes, that the wrong way. Every every recovery time is on a case-by-case basis, especially with something like a groin, like you mentioned. But, yeah, you never know. Like you said, if you break – like your ankle, you're back in six weeks, maybe seven or eight. This minimum four, and then he has to rest it, see what, how his ankle responds to rest, and then some physical therapy, and then he has to get cleared to skate. Then he has to skate and see how that feels after he go, gets a day out on a rink. Um, then two days in a row, then a full practice. Like It's a very long process with these type of things. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure they're going to nurse him accordingly just with his stature and, and the kind of player that he is. But the only other thing is U.S. Thanksgiving is known as a very important date for the National Hockey League because if you are in the playoffs at that point, what's the actual percentage point? Like 80-something percent staying I think it's like 84% of the time. If you're in the playoffs after American Thanksgiving, historically you've made the playoffs since, this, since uh, the conference format has been introduced. So with that, I mean... Currently, they're 19 games in, 9-6-4, 22 points. They have a plus-two goal differential. And they did it really good without John Tavares. I, I, I thought they stayed afloat. Now it's you, you get to Marner, I, I'm, I think you got to be a little bit more worried. And now it turns into we are, what, two weeks away, three weeks away from American Thanksgiving? Two weeks, yeah. Two weeks away from American Thanksgiving. Currently, they are second in the Atlantic. That could change rather quickly. And I know it's still early in the year, but say Marner's not four weeks away. He's eight weeks away. That's into the new year. Yep. So I just think they have to be very worried as to, A, how they treat this, because Say you get into that new year and it's not looking good, depending on what this injury is, 
I mean, do you shut them down for the year? Like, don't fucking risk it. We'll, we'll do it next year. I mean, I think they would need to crater in the meantime for him to be shut down because I think Toronto, especially with a win-now team and Babcock as their coach, as long as they're in the playoff picture, they're going to go for it. Um, but on the flip side of that, even if they're in contention, if he just can't get it going, like if he rests up and his ankle stops hurting without any hockey activity, but then he gets on a rink and it keeps acting up, then that's an issue irregardless of what's going on on the ice with the Maple Leafs of his just own individual well-being. It's that, and then it's just Babcock is different when it comes to injuries and shit like that. Like, I know Lou Lamorello does it the same way where if players are hurt, you know, they don't practice at the same time as other people. You know, they keep them away from the team. And to me, with these younger guys, I feel like you have to keep them together. Like, Marner and Matthews are always together. I think separate schedules, like, it might cramp their vibe a little bit. So I'm hoping that, A, mentally it doesn't take a toll on Marner. Because if this takes a toll on him mentally, this is going to be a whole other demon as opposed to just the injury. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, Another, I guess, multiple injury news. We'll move down to the Blues in St. Louis. Uh, They just signed Jamie McGinn and Troy Brower to PTOs to see if they can make the cut and join the top nine, at least, uh, for the Blues moving forward. They're dealing with injuries up front to Alexander Steen, the rookie Eric Foley, and Vlad Tarasenko. Tarasenko's pretty much out until the end of the regular season. Uh, Steen has a much closer timetable for return. Uh, Interesting that I I was actually surprised just because our mentality switched from off-season mode to training camp, regular season kickoff, and then things got underway, that McGinn was still out there. Like He's not somebody that's going to carry your team or carry a line, but I think he's still a valuable depth guy for your bottom six that can chip in uh, both sides of the ice. Absolutely. I, I fucking love Jamie McGinn. And, I mean, that goes back to our time in Worcester with him. I love Ginner. Yep. Ginner's a great guy on and off the ice. Uh, can definitely contribute to your team in the room, on the ice. And I think furthermore, bringing in Troy Brower too. I mean, you want to talk about a team that just won the Stanley Cup and then now they bring in Troy Brower with even more veteran leadership. Talk about like having the two best potential guys for your lineup just sitting there as PTOs. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, oh, hey, you guys are just hanging out still. All right. Well, you'll fit the mold here. So, excuse me, hats off to Dougie Armstrong for being able to, go through and choose decisively as to who he was going to put in with his team and how they were going to mesh. So I don't think you could ask for anything better than what Dougie Armstrong just did and who he brought in. Yeah, and the interesting part for me is there, even with the Tarasenko injury, they're still pretty solid on the right side with Perron, Thomas, and Sundquist in your top uh, three lines. Sammy Blaze there to kind of play that roving uh, roaming guy on the right side can play on any line. On the left side, it was a little more touch and go. You have Jaden Schwartz in your top six, and then followed up by Zach Sanford, Mackenzie McGecker, and Jacob De La Rosa, who they just traded for from Detroit. They sent uh, Fabry to the Red Wings, and he had two goals in his first game with the, the Wings. 
Um, so I think that's a natural spot for McGinn to kind of slot in maybe on that third line, see how he plays uh, if his PTO works out. As long as he's in shape, I think he has a pretty good shot at uh, signing at the one-year deal. Brower, I'm a little more iffy on him. He does have that veteran leadership. He is a savvy veteran type. I just don't know how much he has left in the gas tank at this point. Well, good thing you got a couple of months head start to, you know, <laughs> loosen up and get everything going. So, um, The other bit of news uh, to talk about, Nick Foligno, captain of the Blue Jackets, was handed down a three-game suspension by the NHL for you know, a hit to the head. Um, kind of like a fly-by elbow at near the blue line at center ice. What do you th- okay. okay, three-game suspension. I feel like we have a routine with this stuff now. Three-game suspension. Too little, too, uh, too heavy. Do you think he should have been suspended at all? And what do you think the hit was intentional? Oh, there's no question that hit was intentional. I, I saw it. I didn't like it. That, that elbow comes out completely. Like, there's some where guys come across the middle. They're laying a shoulder. Things kind of move last second. They hit guys in the head, and, you know, they'll get a couple of games for that. To me, this seemed completely blatant, and it wasn't. He didn't get any part of him. Like, and no. this was all head. So, to me, when you want to talk about getting things out of the game with hits to the head, a blatant elbow, like Jimmy Superfly snuck a fucking elbow. <laughs> like, I think he lucked out here with only three games. He lucked out, but I, I think the suspension should have been more. And this is where, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I just feel a certain way where this happens to Pierre Edward Belmar, who is a gritty type of player. He's a bigger body, kind of like Felino. Felino does this to McKinnon or Landeskog. How many games does Oh, yeah. So I just don't think that the suspension should be accounted for to as to who received it on the other end. Like, like if you're going to give a blatant elbow like that, if you do it to Crosby, you do it to McKinnon, you do it to Landeskog, you do it to some of those guys on that team, do you get a different result suspension-wise? And to me, is if you're going to give him more games because of who he hurt, that doesn't make it right. So I, I think it should be clear-cut all the way around because just because Belmar is a bigger guy doesn't mean that it should be less of a penalty. If he did it to Zadaroff because Zadorov's a bigger guy, does he still get three games? Yeah, probably. But if he does it to McKinnon or Landis Gog, it's now a completely different ballgame. And that's what I don't like, and I think that... It should be square. Blatant elbow hit to the head on a flyby. I mean, yeah. I, I think at least five games. Yeah, that goes back to our complaints of how the NHL hands out harsher discipline if a player is injured or not, regardless of the play that resulted in a suspension, which I think is backwards. For me, I think it's getting to a point where you can't have this kind of judgment call on if somebody is suspended or not, how long is suspended for, did he have a history. If you want to legislate head hits out of this game, you're going to have to, like you said, make blanket tiered suspensions. If And when that hit happened, I actually showed the first lady that hit because I got one of my worst concussions from a very, very similar play. So I knew exactly what was going on when that happened. But any hit to the head that results in with no other contact to the opposing player's body should be an automatic five-gamer. I don't care if you have a history or not. 
if it was intentional or not. We both played for a long time. We know it's almost it's very difficult, especially in open ice, to hit somebody in the head and only their head if it wasn't intentional. Like there's no pushing along the boards, there's no scrum going on, there's no cross uh, close quarters potential for like an accidental hit. You're at open ice. If you hit somebody in the head, it's pretty much on purpose or or uh, you are looking to do some damage. Maybe not directly to the head, but automatic five gamer, first time, no questions asked for any hit to the head that doesn't involve contact with the other player's uh, body. And after that, it's a 10-gamer or 15-gamer. And then after that, it's a rest of the remainder of the season uh, and could carry over to the next year. Like, you have to start getting harsh with this stuff and make it uniform so these guys know when I step onto the ice, if I'm going to pull stupid shit like this, I know exactly what's going to happen to me and how much it's going to hurt my team. And if you're a repeat offender, you're going to start losing opportunities to have jobs in this league because teams are not going to want to pay somebody who's going to make them shorthanded for a quarter of the season. I agree with you. I think that if he attempts to make a check here, I think it's different. But when yep. it's just that blatant, like I I really do think he lucked out with only three games. It could have been a lot worse. And yeah. has he been suspended before? Like I'm not too sure of his track record. I, I think he's had at least one before. He's had, I think he's, had to have one just because of his playing style. Let me try and look this up really quick. Um, let's see. Suspended recently. Sorry, as I'm looking this up, quote unquote, live on the air. I uh, know it's my fault because I should have even checked earlier to see if in the press release if it said if he was a. Uh, I repeat don't offender. see any suspensions before this one in his AHL. Or NHL career. Interesting. I, I thought he definitely had one, but he also has the brother, though, too, right? So maybe it was yeah, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I know there's definitely been a Felino that's been there. So, um, Yeah, so I think we're both on the same page here. You got to start stop pussyfooting around when it comes to suspensions for head injuries. Like the NFL has made it uniform for the most part, especially when it comes to quarterbacks or defenseless receivers. I think that when he, that's what needs to get incorporated into NHL starting next year. And, I mean, tough for him to donate uh, three games, $88,000. Holy shit. That's a nice little uh, Christmas spending money. Oh, my God. Christmas spending money. That's double my salary. All right, moving on. We'll we'll spend a little bit of time talking about our boys in Boston and in New York. Uh, I know it's kind of a quick turnaround from our last Bruins and Rangers week in review it's been about four or five days since the last recording so maybe not too much news has gone on for our boys but uh, i guess just give an update on the games that happened in the meantime since we last recorded and kind of how things are shaping up for the remainder of this week i blew it i, I said the bruins are going to beat the flyers we end up losing in a shootout um joel faraby though that move he made in the shootout like yep. silky smooth like i i was watching like oh <laughs> like that, that was the only noise I could make. I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. Um, the biggest thing with the Bruins as of late has been, just like Bruce Cassidy said, the start time. It, it seems like they show up midway through the second. They're not ready for the first. Uh, we're recording at 8 o'clock tonight, so I saw the first period of the Bruins game before we came down here to start recording, and 
Yeah, it was 0-0 after one. Playing the Panthers, right? Playing the Panthers, 0-0 after one, and uh, they actually showed up. They, they were playing. It, it looked nice. So they were actually there for the for the start of the game, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, thing. <laughs> uh, I'm sure uh, your buddy is happy that I just said phenomenal twice, so he could chalk that one yep. up. But uh, <laughs> no, What's just, going on with uh, Krug? That doesn't look good. Uh, they called up Vakaninen. No timeline on Krug just yet. Uh, currently, end of the second period, Bruins up 4 nothing, so they definitely turned it on while we were down here recording. Um, another one, too, was Jake DeBrust. They said he wouldn't even be a potential until this weekend. Zach Seneshin currently up, one of the guys from the 14-15, well, was it 13-14-15 or 14-15-16, whatever. One of the uh, three first-round draft picks in a row, so nice to at least see him getting some playing time. Uh it's been a little tough at times to watch this team as a late. It, like I said, the delayed starts, you know, from playing hockey. Sometimes when you show up too late, it's already too late. It's over before you get started. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you're like, crap, it's already a 2 nothing hole. The goalie's playing good. It's a tough road for us. But I'm Boys hoping, were gassed. <laughs> yeah, like I'm hoping that these injuries are not as long-term as they seem. And obviously Tory Krug... I mean, he's huge for us, especially when it comes to that power play. That power play is incredible, especially once as he gets the puck and he starts winging across the blue line. Who knows if he's shooting? Who knows if he's passing? I just know that the pucks are going in while he's doing it. So need him back, and we will see exactly what uh, plays out here. I'm looking for a little bit more in-depth from, well, you'll never get it from the NHL, but a little bit more in-depth of an injury report as to... Outside of a lower body or an upper body, I believe DeBrusque was an upper body injury. So just waiting patiently, and we'll see how things play out here in Boston. In New York, it's kind of the same old since we recorded. We had a very nice road win in Carolina, um, and then we lost in a shootout this past Sunday against the Panthers 6-5. to five. We actually blew a 5-4 lead late in the third. Um, for me, I guess the two takeaways – for the last few days has been one uh Kako has found his footing he scored the rangers are also playing right now to play in the penguins he scored again tonight his fifth goal of the year i think that's his third goal in the last three games so i think he's starting to get a little more comfortable he's at now he's getting consistent top six minutes so i think that also has helped his confidence as well uh and the other takeaway is mark stall had surgery on his foot slash ankle because of an infection he was dealing with. So he's out the next several weeks, which opens up a spot for Ryan Lindgren, who was acquired in a Rick Nash trade from the Bruins. And he's played well. He scored his first NHL goal on Sunday against the Panthers. Um, there was some concern with, before Stahl had the surgery, about having enough ice time for the defenseman on the Rangers right now with Lindgren, uh, Hayek, Brady Shea, Stahl, Truba, uh, D'Angelo, and Fox. And then you saw Brendan Smith playing fourth line, who can also drop back on D on a PK. This kind of this injury kind of clears it up uh, for them for the meantime, and we'll get a little bit of a run with the young left-handed shot defenseman and see what they got. Um, like I said, they're playing the Penguins right now. It's 2-1 midway through the second period. Anna Fox got his third goal of the year. Uh, moving forward, I think what the Rangers' biggest takeaway is consistency. When they're playing well, they're playing 
pretty damn well. They can hang with almost anybody. And that's great for such a young team. Um, I'm still not sold on their transition game. I'm still not sold on their long-term output offensively with the lack of depth they have. Um, but when they're bad, they are bad. And you saw that when you guys basically curb-stomped us at the Garden. Uh, so I think finding some consistency, I think Quinn's got to start playing uh, their, these young forwards a little bit more ice time. Uh, Anderson's been healthy scratched again lately. Howden's been third, fourth line. Uh, Kako's finally getting top six minutes. So I think you got to ride or die with these boys. Like you, They finally called up Heedle. He's getting uh, top six minutes as a second line center. This is your last rebuilding year that you can basically count on if you're David Quinn as head coach of the Rangers. Like, there, there's a little bit more expectation this year because of the offseason we had, but if you're if we're entering next year still trying to figure out if Heedle and Anderson and Howden uh, and Cago are guaranteed top six spots, we're in trouble. So I think that's the biggest takeaway moving forward of just focusing on development. What do you think is the biggest thing? Like you said, when you guys are good, you're good. When you're bad, you're bad. What do you think is the biggest thing that contributes to that? Is it just effort on a night-in, night-out basis? Or is it kind of just you don't know what you're getting from certain guys on each night? Or Quinny? I, uh, I know there's a lot of fingers to be pointed. So, Yeah, I mean, I think at the core, it's the Rangers play well when their individual, individual talent takes over. I don't think... I'm, I'm trying to find a right, right way to word this. I think they win when their individual talent shows up. I don't think it has very much to do with David Quinn as head coach. When they lose, it's a combination of guys like Buchnevich and uh, Brady Shea just not having good games combined with the fact that it it's such a young team. I think we have five guys that are in the lineup every single night that are 21 or younger, um, that once they fall behind, I think the veteran teams like you guys in Boston or a team like Pittsburgh, they just sense blood and they continue to pound us and our young guys are just not there yet where they can turn things around on NHL level. So I think if we get a lead, they loosen up a little bit, they play better. But I mean, you saw it when, before you guys went on this extended run, when Bergey was... Uh, rookie and you guys are still coming out of that long rebuild where young team if you fall behind and you're playing a veteran team it's very hard to turn that around that is very more, more and more minutes even if it means more losses this year just to get that ball rolling and get out of it quicker all right now one other question just because you because you said it that way need to play them it may mean more losses is Quinny safe with that? Like, do you think you guys completely tank out, but the kids are playing, they're playing good, they're starting to get some chemistry, so next year is looking a lot better. They tank out. Is Quinny gone? Like, like, what is the expectation in the sense of David Quinn or just the lineup in general for the future next year that has to regard this year? So... It's an interesting position to be in because the Rangers don't have very much in the way of other options. It's not like Quinn has a choice between playing, uh, let's say, Heedle as a second-line center or Nick Bustad. It's 
you're either playing Filipino as a second line center or Ryan Strom as your second line center. Um, so I think he started off the year a little sluggish and given these roles to the young kids. I think Quinn will be safe if there's progress is being made. Like it, it's about how you lose during a rebuild is how I put it. If you're getting stomped every single night and your young guys aren't showing battling through adversity, they're not turning things around, their games aren't picking up, their system isn't getting better, I think that's different than just losing because you have a bunch of young guys that are still finding their way and you're giving them key minutes and throughout the year as we continue on, that they start to earn it more and more. I think that's the difference for me. If these, if these kids progress and we're still losing, but they're getting into the experience that they need to like kick things off right from the start next year with Panarin and Truba um, and guys like that, then I think that's a win. But if they're just getting beat every single night and there's not much in a way of good silver linings coming from these losses, then Quinn might be in a little bit of trouble. I appreciate your in-depthness to my questions. <laughs> um, yeah, I can talk about Quinn for a long time. But uh, with that being said, I think it's time for our game of the week and lock of the week picks. I refuse to tell anybody what the current standings are because I would like people to continue to think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? <laughs> uh, yeah, so my game of the week pick this week is actually going to be out in the Western Conference uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, November 13th. The Dallas Stars on the road against the Calgary Flames. Two teams that struggled to start the year have found their footing recently, and I think that's going to be a very good matchup, possible playoff preview. Uh, once again, I know they had some awards in the past. So that's my game of the week pick. My lock of the week pick, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here, and I'm trying to find the right magic formula here to start the year. But I'm going to go Saturday, November 16th. I'm going to go... Ah, see, now I'm hesitating here. No, fuck, I'm going to do it. You might think it's easy, but I've had struggles all year. I'm going to go Vegas on a road against the Kings on Saturday. Well, funny you picked Vegas because I'm also picking Vegas this week. But I'm picking them at home on Wednesday night, the 13th, against Chicago. I just think that home ice advantage... uh, there's just something about that place when the away team goes there they kind of mm-hmm. get lost the night before and uh, <laughs> get taken advantage of the next night but, oh a lot of money to bookies yeah i was gonna say if you're a certain <laughs> team uh, my game of the week may surprise you but it's thursday night carolina at buffalo mm. two young teams right next to each other in the standings kind of trying to fight to get back into the top of their divisions i know carolina was there for a little while buffalo the same so um, we'll see what happens. They're both in their last 10. They are 4-5-1. and one. So someone's going to have to win, right? Yep. We don't, we don't have ties anymore, so someone's going to have to win. I, th- I think there's a lot of young talent on both teams, so it should be a, uh, a lot of firepower going on there. All right. And for today in NHL history, um, I'm going to go – I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick two for today instead of the normal, like customary three or four. I'm gonna go back to 1991. The Tampa Bay Lightning and Ottawa Senators are officially granted membership in the National Hockey League, bringing the league to 24 teams. They begin play at the start of the 1992-93 season. 
And lastly, in 2002, Canadian center Doug Gilmore becomes the 14th player in NHL history to reach 1,400 points. Point number 1,400 is a goal at 1530 of the first period in the Canadians' 3-2 win at the Ottawa Senators. Who do you have for uh, shout-outs this week? Uh, shout-outs this week, as always, First Lady. Um, the apple of my eye, I'll steal one of your lines. <laughs> <laughs> um, another shout-out this week. I want to give a shout-out to Mama Dukes, Mama Stewart, who is going to be taking the Long Island Railroad out from bumfuck middle of nowhere, as the First Lady puts it, Narnia, Long Island. Who and she'll be spending uh, a few days out here visiting while Anna is traveling, and she'll get to see Queens and the, where the first lady and I live for the first time. So that'll be fun. Um, let's see, any other shout-outs? No, I think that's it for me this week. All right. Um, for all those that follow me on Facebook, you can tell that Sunday night I got in one. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, we had a wedding, so congrats to the newly married couple. Uh, I had two spillies for the price of one in the Facebook Live. Yeah, um, I definitely took complete advantage of that open bar. So that's that's on me. That's on nobody else. And then, yeah, we, we got after pretty good. So we had a good time there. Um, I don't even know. I mean, I'm, I will say, you know what? I was slightly offended. And that reminds me that on Instagram, I posted a very heartwarming, a romantic meme that I dedicated to you, not to first lady, to you. And I didn't even get a single response from you. What, what did you like kind of post hurt. it or was it in my DMs? I posted it and tagged you in it and I got nada. And you tagged me in it? Jesus Christ. I don't know what's going on. Please, it was basically hold. like some Latin term or Italian term for what when you meet that? somebody and you know you're going to fall in love at first sight. Where the fuck is this? Hold on. No, it's still I mean, it's not, it's not there anymore. Cause oh, because you took not... it down. I, I don't see any tags. Oh, no, don't give me that shit. No, 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 buddy. It only lasts for 24 hours in Insta Stories, so you're going to have to bite the bullet what, on this one. What night did you post? If you posted it Sunday, it was irrelevant because I was in, I was <laughs> I think, in no I think shape. I it was like Sunday or Monday, yeah. Oh, then, yeah, no I, 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 no. I definitely didn't see it, so it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I mean that's that's all I wanted to say this week. I need you reminded me of it. I wanted to you know put that out there. Uh, maybe next time I'll dedicate it to Sierra instead. Yeah, next time tag me in it and make sure I don't get on my my drunk goggles for sure. <laughs> but uh, yes, everybody, thank you for listening as always, and uh, we're hoping to come back to you next week with another jam packed episode. We're hoping for a little bit more. Uh, NHL news here, you know, it's been a little quiet, nothing too crazy outside of Don Cherry and you people. So, uh, everybody, thank you, and we'll catch you guys next week.